I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Opoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 79 of Theater Forward. Great to be here. In this episode, we are going to do a check-in on what's going on in the theater world these days regarding COVID. It will be so great when we can move on from these conversations, but alas... We are not there yet. And I think to um, to kick off this conversation, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you have been seeing a lot of theater or trying to see a lot of theater in Chicago of late. So how has that been? First, kind of say how sick I am of having this conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know we have to do it, but it's just, oh, um, it's been really rough. Um, as I think a lot of our listeners know, I'm a um, Joseph Jefferson Committee judge in Chicago. That's like the Chicago Tonys. And so April and May has been just a raft uh, of shows, even more in May, more than 20 uh, this year that we're required to see uh, because things got pushed back a little bit um, because of Omicron. So our last wave and things were pretty good for the first few months of 2022. These days and the last month in particular, um, almost the day doesn't go by where I'm not getting an email from our equity or non-equity wing chairs telling me that such and such performance has been canceled for this weekend, or I'm hearing directly from a theater. I just heard yesterday from a theater for a show I was supposed to see Sunday saying, sorry, our performances for this entire weekend have been canceled. Um, And it really covers the waterfront from the largest sort of suburban houses, many of which have dropped. Uh, mask and vaccination mandates uh, to very small black box spaces within Chicago itself, where they are still rigorously checking uh, vaccination cards um, and requiring um, requiring masking. So there's no sort of witness test for that. You know, when I respond to reschedule with all these theaters, I mean, the first thing I always say, of course, is the thing that's the most important, which is, yeah, okay, so, you know, poo poo for me, I have to reschedule a show, but it's the actual creatives who are just getting slammed. And I just feel for them so much. I mean, especially in some of these smaller Chicago houses where they're, you know, a lot of these folks work daytime jobs. They, you know, the theater for them is a, just an absolute labor of, of, of love being done in their spare time. And for them to be brought down um, in situations where they're often financially precarious um, and have already gone through so much and where they're no longer getting the you know influx of funds uh, from the federal government, it is a really, really scary time. I mean, I think our business and a particularly a number of our companies are are, are in real trouble. Um, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. I would. You're talking about the companies themselves. I would say to expand on that, uh, what we saw this last year at Forward, and we did all live theaters um, productions. We had mask mandates. Half of the season were vaccination mandates. Um, subscribers are coming back for the most part. Lost, lost a percentage. Some are coming. Some are taking the digital option. But I think, and this is not just forward, what I'm seeing across the board for theaters is that single ticket buyer is not coming back yet in the numbers that we had seen pre-pandemic. And this this now this world where we live in where 
performances where entire productions where weeks can be canceled is not helping those single ticket buyers. It, they're not going to jump in and, and risk, uh, you know, not having a show. I, I see that of Broadway. Who's going to get on a plane and buy their Broadway tickets for a show that may or may not happen? And until that confidence um, is there, I don't think our single ticket buyers come back in the numbers that we want. And that is especially frightening. I mean, just stop with who's going to get on a plane, right? I mean, I have not been on a plane <laughs> right. since since early 2020. Um, and this is the first time I can remember where there's actually been a Broadway season going back a long, long time where I'm not sitting here jumping up and down, excited to have a, a talk with folks like you about the Tonys. But I haven't seen any of the shows. Um, and I'm I'm exactly in that uh, in that uh uh, group you're talking about, Julie. I don't want to. Well, first of all, I don't want to get on a plane right now. I just won't do it. Um, and and secondly, uh, why am I going to go to all that trouble um, and then get there and find I can't see something? And the problem is, on a on a micro level, we're dealing with that too. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I happen to be part of the forward family, but if I live in Milwaukee, am I going to plan a weekend day? around driving to Madison and having dinner and going to a show that may or may not happen. Now with forward, our shows did happen. So we're the exception to the rule, but as a, as a, as a, as a general problem, it's hard to plan your life around something and to make a weekend uh, a date or or day, and then realize it's not going to be there. It's easier to just sort of choose something quote unquote safer, like sitting on your couch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the real quandary um, thinking of it from the sort of producer angle and, you know, uh, e- even to sort of put my my brain in the space of of working on a, say, a commercial Broadway production or a local nonprofit for any of these. You know, what do we do? Right. You know, with the whole 2021 to 2022 season w- was planned in early 2021 um, with great confidence and optimism that over the course of the year, COVID conditions would improve and that audiences would come back. And, you know, we anticipated, and I think many people around the country anticipated a sort of steady increase uh, in consumer confidence and single ticket sales, all of that. And instead, what we've seen is a roller coaster and up and down and up and down. And you never know if you're going to hit the month where people are feeling good and case rates are low and everybody's eager to get out of the house or a month where everybody's scared again and transmissions are high um, and you plan and you plan and then you cross your fingers um, and, and it's, it's devastating for, you know, the storefronts that you're talking about, Mike, who are hanging on by their fingernails and then they have to cancel. It's devastating for a, a, a bigger company that maybe has all the understudies and has all of the protocols and testing and all of that in place. And they still get so much spread that they have to shut down. Um, You know, I've heard some colleagues talking about, you know, you have to just suck it up and go back to work. And if people get sick, they get sick. Uh, That is certainly not where I am (laughs) on this. You know, first and foremost, we need to keep our artists, our audiences and our communities healthy. That's the long-term thing. It's painful in the short term, you know, financially, but in the long term, we have to build that trust. Um, But without clear government uh, 
guidelines and regulations to really tamp down the spread. And I don't think that's something we can get back. I mean, I'm talking about what should have happened in the first year, the first 18 months of this pandemic, where we needed as a country to just be like, right, we have to do the hard things now so that this ends sooner. And we didn't do that as a country. And, uh, you know, who knows how much longer this goes on now. Well, it it continues, though, Jen, you know, just to extrapolate, it, it continues. It isn't just the first year or so. We continue to have mixed messages yeah. where the CDC goes, go, go, live your life. Everybody, everybody, it's fine. And you've got you've got theaters and because of equity, because maybe we're just um, a little more cautious, we are testing three times a week. We're being very protective of our audiences. We're making sure everyone's safe. And then we have the MBA who had an entire season. Uh, we're not masked. We're, you know, had people in close contact. Um, I think only tested um, symptomatic people or however they worked it. They did not close down. They did not shut down um, games. And and it's it's all over the board again. And um, I, I don't know what the answer to that. I like that we are more cautious. I like that our um, we want everyone to be safe. And that is the priority versus the dollar. But man, we're um, being punished for it in some ways. Well, we're, we're I mean, you know, we're, we're suffering for it. Yes and no, because I, I think, well, first of all, before I get to that, you've reminded me of one of the shows I did get to see in Chicago, a shout out to a group of which Forward has a very strong and 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 wonderful connection, the Neo-Futurists, mm. um, um, which was responsible for giving us both 44 plays for 44 presidents and 46 plays for 46 first ladies, is doing a show right now that is spoofing Lucille Ball's transition to Broadway during her one shining, not so shining moment on Broadway and using that to talk about the transition out of the pandemic. And they have in a, a hilarious skit in there where Desi and Lucy, both cross-dressed in this production, are deciding who, how to answer the door and how many masks to wear when you answer the door because of different <laughs> mask mandates. And you eventually have Desi uh, played by a, a female identifying actor in, in like 12 masks and looking like a mummy because Lucy keeps saying, well, but I heard another study said that you should. And I heard another study anyway. Um, but right. you know, yes, we're being punished, but not punished, right? Because you know, unlike so many companies, and I realize part of this is luck. I mean, I'm, this is not a shaming uh, thing that I'm about to say, but Forward did get through an entire, first of all, we've had two entire seasons during the two years of the pandemic. And during this last year, got through a whole season without canceling a single performance. Now, again, part of that's luck, part of that's mm -hmm. being in Dane County and being in Madison, where people are more conscious uh, of these things and where compliance numbers are higher. Um, right. But it's also a tribute to the sort of conservatism um, that you're talking about. And I'll take that kind of leadership, forward-looking leadership, no pun intended, from a theater company any day. It's akin to what you're getting on Broadway right now, where even though the transition num or the uh, pandemic numbers are so high that the CDC is recommending masking in New York City, its mayor refuses to order indoor masking. Um, boo, Eric Adams. Um, but Broadway has said, you're going to be required to mask. They just announced this the other day through the end of June. They again extended the mask mandate. And that to me is a sign of 
uh, companies like Forward, industries like Broadway taking a leadership role in a way that we must to protect our people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think <Yeah>. masks, <laughs> why don't we just do masks always? Yes. Doesn't that make <laughs> sense? Like, like, I don't think hospitals will ever get rid of masks. From now on, every time you go into a hospital, you're going to have to wear a mask. Why can't we just do that with theater? Why isn't that just, you're going to be sitting with a bunch of strangers pretty close together, wear a mask. Why? I don't know why that's still a conversation. Like, I'm totally okay if Forward just says, for, for, for forever, we'll have masks. And it's not that hard. I don't, I mean, that's what it, what you were saying, Jen, about the, the ridiculous pushback this first year that we somehow politicized mask wearing. Yeah. yeah. And let's take that off the table and just say, for people, safety, wear a mask. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm curious and daunted and, and upset about this. And then we'll have masks and then we won't have masks and then we'll have masks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I mean, that was kind of what I was saying with that earlier thing about, you know, the first year to 18 months is, is it's not that the poor communication isn't ongoing. It's that I think that was our window to set the country on a path to actually yes. contain this pandemic. And, and we, you know, we, those cows are out of the barn or, or however you want to phrase that. Right. I mean, I don't, to your point, Julie, like, I would rather not wear masks in the theater. Like if all else is equal, sure. I would be very happy to go back to not wearing masks. Um, but I think, I think the, the bigger point is all else isn't equal because right. there's really right. transmissible disease around. And it's such an easy, you know, the way I've started thinking about it now and, and, and my thinking obviously changes depending on the variant and, and all of that. But right now it just seems like, okay, what's the best thing I can do to protect myself be vaccinated, be boosted. I'm over 50 now. So I've got my second booster. Very <laughs> grateful for it. All of that. What's the best thing I can do to protect other people around me, especially the most vulnerable, but really the community at large wear a mask when I'm around other people. And it just, and that to your point that it's such an easy thing to do to show that I care about the people around me. And yeah, am I, would I rather sit for two hours with a mask on my face or would I rather sit with it off? Yeah. Sure, off. But but if I, would I rather sit with a mask on my face and know that I'm protecting my community, or sit with it off? Completely different calculus. Um, and I'm, to your point, Mike. I mean, yes, we feel very fortunate to have now, um, as of last weekend when we're recording this, we have completed um, our second COVID season. This one was completely live with full runs, no canceled performances, no cases of COVID traced to anybody involved with any of our productions. And yes, a huge portion of that is luck and our, our community. Um, but it is also that we were, like, like you said, we were very conservative and we were kind of out in front making decisions about protocols for our artists and for our audiences and you know, required proof of vaccination before anybody else, continued to require masking when everyone else was letting it go. And those things helped and we, made those decisions, we did not survey our audience to see what they wanted and what they were comfortable with, to be honest. We followed the science and 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 figured out what, what seems the most fact-based way to keep people safe and to make people feel safe and to keep the shows open. And then we just announced that. We're fortunate because we have an audience base 
that really rewarded that. And we heard over and over and over again from people saying, we're so glad you're being more conservative. We wouldn't come if you weren't. And that's the thing, like I, I do, I look at the industries like you were saying earlier, Julie, like the NBA or whatever, um, and not being as conservative about COVID did not hurt them, but they have a different audience base and sure. different patrons and different economic realities. and. I, I firmly believe that we as a company, knowing our community and our audience, if we had been more laissez-faire about COVID restrictions, I think our numbers would have been dramatically worse mm-hmm. on all the numbers, the COVID numbers and the, the financial numbers. Um, I had one person, one person um, in our most recent show that ran um, late April through mid-May, uh, one patron who, you know, gave me an earful about the fact that I can go to a base basketball game or I can get on a plane. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Uh, and I said, fine, but you have to wear one here. Uh, but he was, you know, hugely outnumbered by the people who said, this is the one thing I actually really come out to do in public because I feel that you're taking safety seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel safer I, in, oh, go ahead, Julie. No, I was just going to say, uh, in terms of the safety, seriously, we did, our audiences did, but the reason we didn't cancel a show, and this is, again, many times luck, but also some conscious behavior. We had we had actors and designers and crew that took it seriously, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I had, you know, I think we should, acknowledge that they were they were behaving well as uh, you know along with us so that was part of a lot of people get sick who do all the right things absolutely you know um but you certainly reduce your risk right yeah Yeah. i I mean you know that's the we're talking about the workers here i mean to me you know we've been focused on the audience and our audience is is obviously we wouldn't exist without our audience but to me the main reason why i do not understand any theater any theater in this state or any other not requiring masking is it shows to me a reprehensible cavalier disregard for workers. Our actors can't mask when they're on stage and do their job. So why is it that anybody in an audience, which where, where you can choose to wear a mask or not, unlike the folks on stage, why is it that we would not automatically require everybody wear a mask to protect the people who make theater possible. I, I, I just don't understand that. And I don't understand that so-called pushback from audience members. You know what, if you're some sort of libertarian that doesn't want to do that, go ahead and walk around with your gun and don't wear a seatbelt <laughs> and smoke in public places. God love you. But that's not the way in which this works in this business. And it's not the way it should work. And we should be requiring for the sake of our actors that everybody wear a mask until we are all way, way, way further down the road than we are right now. I just, I'm sorry, I don't have any patience for this position. You know, it's interesting, Mike, you, you refer to something that I've been really following with, with some degree of interest um, because, you know, this conversation is about COVID numbers, but also all the ways that our industry is is um, dealing with, with uh, this new reality. And one of the things that I've seen, I don't know if either of you saw this, but recently, uh, Moulin Rouge on Broadway announced that they were bringing some actors back uh, and having them perform masked because they didn't they didn't have enough people um, to do the show, but they could bring people who I believe, you know, they because there's so much 
lack of clarity on can you come back after five days? Can you come back after 10 days? And, you know, what's the CDC say? What does the equity allow? Um, and so people who were who had tested positive and are now testing negative but had not yet gone their full 10 days um, under CDC recommendations currently, you can come back after five days if you stay masked until day 10. And so equity allows for this and, and producers are bringing some folks back in, um, in Moulin Rouge who are performing masked, which is, I have all kinds of very complicated feelings about that. Um, but I've also heard of that being um, discussed and planned as options for shows more locally, because there have been a lot of cancellations locally um, here in Wisconsin over the last month more than really at any time since COVID hits. Yeah. It's um, only been this, this last, you know, our, our local children's theater lost a couple of weeks. Yep. Milwaukee rep quite notably Oof. lost two weeks of a sold out run of Titanic. It's an enormous financial hit. They had tons of understudies and swings, but COVID went through that company like a wildfire mm-hmm. and they just didn't have enough people to do the show anymore. Yeah, I, it's um, and I think they were considering even even with having people mask the situation you're talking about, Jen. I think they got to a point where they just didn't 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 have enough. I, I yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. I mean, I have a complicated feelings about that too because I want people to be able to work, um, yeah. and I want our theater companies to survive. To me, seeing actors on stage with masks on in the few occasions where I have, it just it qualitatively detracts from the performance. Yeah. It just does. I mean, at some point, the product. It gets devalued in a way that no longer makes it worth it in yeah. terms of charging the, the ticket prices that are charged or for me as an audience member, even if I'm going on a comp uh, to, to, to go. And I, I but I understand that there are differing points of view on that. Um, yeah. Since this is an aesthetic issue that we're now talking about, can we talk about aesthetics in terms of programming? What is this? I mean, I'm thinking about a Broadway this year where shows like Music Man and Plaza Suite and Mr. Saturday Night and Macbeth all of which got critically panned are doing incredibly well because of celebrities or because of, you know, mostly because of celebrities, while some really, really great, deserving, wonderful plays, um, some of which have been performed on forward stages, um, mm-hmm. have, have struggled. Uh, and I, I, I worry in this new environment that we're in where the numbers are suggesting it's all or nothing shows either tank or do really, really well. And there's no middle. What is this going to mean? Is it changing your thinking as an artistic director about what kinds of things you're going to be comfortable putting on a stage going forward, given your financial responsibility to the company? Yeah. I mean, it, it's two such, compl- I mean, it, it, we're talking about two very different, very complicated situations, right? So there's commercial Broadway and you are seeing that very uh, clear dichotomy where known titles and Hollywood stars sell tickets and everything else, there's just not enough audience to support it right now. And again, tourism plays a huge part in that. COVID, all of it. So I'm very grateful I don't have to make those kinds of decisions. I mean, here at Forward, it's yes, I'm, I have a I have a fiduciary responsibility that we program seasons that aren't just going to lose us an enormous amount of money and um, stop us from fulfilling our mission. Right, our mission is to support local audiences and local artists and to create 
thought-provoking work that expands our, our communities' um, conversations. Great. That's the mission. So, and our audience members and our subscribers in particular come to see our shows because of the kinds of things that we do and the quality with which we do them. So, yes, more globally, sort of familiar titles and all of that are clearly selling better um, at, at theaters across the country and in New York. But for us, if we suddenly started programming that kind of thing, I mean, that's not what our audience comes to us for. We may sell fewer single tickets right now because of COVID and insecurity and, and all of that. But I think if we drastically changed the way we choose the kinds of stories we tell for economic reasons, I think we'd lose our subscriber base, which is really our, our lifeblood and the reason we've been able to, um, to hang in so far. Um, so we're here, we're kind of taking the, um, the approach. I mean, we prepared when COVID hit and we've talked about this on past, uh, podcast episodes, you know, with the support of our board, we said, all right, look, we have a reserve fund. We saved it up for a rainy day. It's, a hurricane out there. Let's just be prepared to lose a lot of money if we have to, to keep employing our artists and creating some content. We did that. And because of completely unprecedented in my lifetime government support, as well as generosity from donors and all of that, we didn't lose a ton of money in that first year. And we didn't lose a ton of money in that second year because there was the PPP uh, funding and there was the um, shuttered venue operator grant funding and there was some additional NEA funding. And all of those things allowed companies like ours that committed to full programming and even bigger than normal programming to offer more employment and more um, wages. We were able to get through these first two years of COVID without losing the money we had mentally prepared to lose. So the way I'm looking at these next few seasons is I, I think we're going to lose a significant amount of money because the government funding has gone away and I have zero expectation that that's coming back. I mean, there, it should come back because very few companies have, um, have that reserve uh, scale to be able to get, to get through um, what are going to be some really financially rough years ahead. And so they're going to be forced to either shut down or pick one person shows that are really cheap to produce or what have you, what have you. Um, the way I'm looking at it is I, I just think that the economic pain that we anticipated when the pandemic hit was just delayed and we will stay committed to doing what we do and employing more people than we normally do and, and continuing to increase wages and all of that because the field needs it so badly, but let's double down on our mission and who we are and just accept the fact that, I mean, our bud, our board passed a, uh, a pretty significant deficit budget for next season. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to cut back on the scale of our programming and I didn't want to cut back on what we were paying people. Um, but we could do that because there was government support over these last couple of years. So we just delayed, we just delayed the rain. So that's where I am. But you know, if, if three years from now, things are still really looking uncertain, if our audience members aren't significantly rebuilding, then we're having different conversations, right? Because I, I can, I ha we have enough of a reserve to say that we'll do this now. We get a few years into this, have significant losses many years in a row. Then, then we get to the point where we have to say we want to be around to continue to employ people in the long term. We can't afford to keep losing money like this. So, um, 
And it's and it's not just that that um, ticket sales are low and we're seeing this across the country. There was that beautiful moment in the spring of 2021, like vaccines had come out and everyone was feeling we had our like four weeks of hot back summer and everyone's like, hey, the world's going back to normal. And people were seeing huge ticket sales and everyone was excited. Um, but that 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 has not really come back. Uh, and everybody's hurting for ticket sales, but there's also, there's so many new expenses. These COVID, the COVID testing has been huge. Those costs, the the ventilate, the amount of money we've spent on ventilation, um, as an industry, again, needed to happen, but so costly, um, frankly, because the union requirements have been seesawing wildly, um, a lot of money got invested in things and then then now we don't require this anymore. And now we require this other thing. Um, filming, you know, we've been filming and, and offering all of our productions as hybrids. Um, and we would like to continue to do that from an accessibility standpoint, if all the playwrights and the unions will allow it, but that's an, an extra layer of cost. And then, you know, the significant expansion of the hiring of understudies and swings. So all of those things, are so expensive and I don't think those costs are going away. So we've had this and supply chain and inflation. So all of our costs have just gone up and 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 revenues, you know, we had the spike in government aid, uh, but earned revenues have gone down and down and down and down. So something has to give and I don't know what it's gonna be. Can I can I just add to our to our woes as well yeah. is that <laughs> um, as anybody who's doing any sort of um, construction in their homes, any sort of renovation, they know that um, those prices have uh, doubled, tripled um, the construction prices are very, very expensive wood yeah. and all of that. That's what we use for sets. And so our scenic materials has gone um, through the roof right now. And some things are just impossible to get. Things that we could get within two days are taking weeks and weeks. So that is also an added, added concern. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I would highly recommend to anybody who... Um, is interested in some big picture uh, discussion of, of where things are as a field. There was an article um, about two weeks ago in the LA Times about um, LA theaters that uh, I thought was a really smart and, and thorough deep dive into what Los Angeles area theaters are dealing with. And, and really most of, of the content was applicable throughout the country. So um, maybe we can put a link to that in our show notes. <laughs> uh, very uh, high tech here and forward. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that that article would be uh, very worth reading. We certainly sent it to everybody on our board, just you know, as a, as a nice distillation of of where things are at for us as a field. Yeah, um, I have to say, as we're as we're continuing with with this, what I am seeing, I'm I'm we're we're, we're on Zoom this morning, folks, and um, uh, I'm 
I'm dealing with pouring skies here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but what I'm seeing on Julie's face and behind Jen is sunshine. Um, and given the way weather works, it, it, it goes from west to east. So my, my thought is that all the goodness and sunshine that Forward has bestowed on the world in the last <laughs> few years is going to radiate outwards. Um, you know, it, again, it's, it's, We've made it and, and, and it's not a pat yourself on the back sort of thing entirely. I mean, we've talked about the luck factor, but we have made it through two years um, of giving people theater and made it through this whole last year of giving people uh, live theater. And it has been exactly the sort of programming, sort of edgier, um, newer uh you know, not not unafraid of or, you know, not afraid of challenges. Uh, in terms of subject matter and politics and the rest of it that people have come to expect from us. And I, I mean, I, I really want to believe going forward that that is the model for what theater can continue to be, notwithstanding the outrageous ticket prices for Music Man on Broadway. That is a commercial piece. <laughs> and I think you're seeing actually in the non-commercial um, you know, programming from, you know, nonprofit theaters around the country. I'm sort of guardedly optimistic. I mean, I was worried coming out of the second pandemic um, involving our racial reckoning that we were going to have a one and done, you know, one year of stuff where people were paying attention to race and then it would get go back on a shelf or something. And what you're seeing from season announcements that are coming out from the regionals is, yeah, the programming has maybe got a few more blockbusters, a few more, you know, renditions of the Steel Magnolias built in, but there's also a lot of world premieres, a lot of world premieres involving BIPOC playwrights and, and a willingness still um, to take chances um, on, on our future, because that is ultimately what we have to do for this industry to survive. Yeah. Well, I, I, Mike, there was so much delightful Pollyanna in, in everything you just said. And I, I, I love it. And, um, you know, I, I just want to say, yes, I feel really good about the things that we've, we've done here at forward, uh, these last couple of years, but just to, you know, I, I just feel it's important to, to, uh, to quantify that, uh, if it weren't for the government funding, we would have lost an enormous amount of money. Right. These last two years. I mean, we did we did edgier programming and we kept people safe and we didn't have to cancel things. And I think we we lived our mission and all of that's good. And I would make the same decisions again in the same circumstances. But if we didn't have significant government funding these last two years, we would have lost a ton of money. So um, it has yet to be proven or disproven whether we can continue to do this in the long run. I am opt I am like you cautious. I mean, I maybe a little more cautiously, but I am still optimistic. I do. Obviously I still think this is the right way to go or we wouldn't be doing it. So we are, we are continuing to double down on the mission and, and hope that the audiences will be ready to come back over these next couple of years and that the COVID will subside to the point where it's not um, costing our field so much and, and our country and our world so much. Um, but it is a, it is an open question still. So there's, there's trepidation. 
You're saying the forecast is uncertain. The forecast, <laughs> forecast is, uncertain, is uncertain, like every forecast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and honestly, an, un an uncertain forecast is maybe an appropriate place to wrap up this conversation uh, because because that is where we're at. Uh, so no no sweeping conclusions for you listeners, uh, just a hopefully honest reckoning with where we are right now um, and, you know, more updates to come. Um, but for now, we will say that that is it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jenna Poff-Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. We are able to weather so many things because our <laughs> podcast is produced by the amazing Scott Hayden. Um, thank you, Scott. Um, you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook um, and Twitter. And that's at Theater Forward Theater as always. This is one thing about the weather that is very clear will be spelled with an E-R. <laughs> Sunshine for all. <laughs> and if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. Be sure to leave a comment. And if you've learned nothing else from this podcast, please go see live theater. We are so grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.